0: the hour but the fact that we are ready it's the only thing that matters it doesn't matter whether we get the day right as a matter of fact he says he doesn't even know the only thing that matters is that we are ready and then he told three parables to emphasize this point that we should be ready three parables to help us understand the different aspects of what it means to be ready and why why it is necessary for us to be ready not just what it means but why it's necessary. And so we looked at these three parables. The first is the parable of the faithful and evil servant. Followed by the parable of the the wise and the foolish virgins. And then the third one, which we're going to look at today, is the parable of the talents. And then Jesus ended off his conversation after these three stories um, with a powerful conclusion that most scholars agree was not a parable because he was speaking very directly. We'll share more about that next week. Today, we're going to look at the parable of the talents. Now, we've already spoken about the parable of the faithful and the evil servant and the wise and the foolish virgins, but our aim in reading this together is to understand what did Jesus mean when he said these things? I mean, we can all be very creative in different interpretations of what it can mean. But what we really want to know is, what did Jesus mean when he said what he said? You know, I remember as a kid, you know, my, my mother used to talk to me, and I'm, I'm sure some of your mothers did the same. She often said to me, Jij moet jou talente Referring to this parable. Who of you... Can identify often I was told, May I your you must use your talents. You see, we can come at very creative interpretations of what Jesus was saying. If we take the parable of the talents out of the context of the conversation, we can get very creative on the meaning of it. But within its context, it is very clear that Jesus is trying to explain to us what it means to be ready. As a matter of fact, the talents has nothing to do with your talents. A talent was a large sum of money. It was equivalent to three years of salary. As a matter of fact, the guy that got five talents got like 15 years worth of salary. So it was not speaking about talents And I dare say Jesus was not trying to make a point on financial stewardship either. He was trying to make a point on what it means to be ready and why it is necessary. So I want us to look at it in that way. I'm sure one can have many different interpretations of what the talents may be or the oil and the lamps may be. But all three of these talents were spoken in a particular context to make a point. And so I want us to look at that point, the obvious question that these stories are trying to answer. What does it mean to be ready? And why, Lord, is it necessary to be ready? Jesus was not trying to teach about the Holy Spirit, money, or some other hidden message. Likewise, just like Vanner mentioned last week, the parables was meant to highlight one or two points at most. And so for us to understand this parable of the talents, we must look at all three parables and the context to try and understand what was Jesus saying. So we are first going to look for the intended answer to the question, what it means to be ready, before we're going to try and find out what the talents mean. Does that make sense? Now, if we look at the first parable, before we get to the parable of the talents, if we look at the first parable, we, we, we read the parable of, the, of the, the evil and the wise servant. And I want us to look at all three of these parables and see if there is a common theme, a narrative that repeats itself. Because what you will note, it is the same narrative The same story, just with a different emphasis. And so I want us to look at the first two to see what is the common narrative. What is Jesus trying to say? And then see if we see the same narrative in the parable of the talents to help us understand what did Jesus really mean when he said what he said. Now the first parable, what is interesting, the parable of the wise and the evil servant is that they were, the servants were given something to do. The servants, their master gave them something to do and then he went away. He went away for a long time, longer than expected. Does it sound familiar? And then he came back. And when he came back, he asked an account from his servants about what did they do while he was gone. And so we read here in Matthew 24 from 45 in the first parable, who then is the He was busy with what he was expected to do, but the evil servant did not. We read in verse 48, but the evil servant said in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And he begins to beat his fellow servants, drink and eat with the drunkards. And the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour when he was not aware of, and he will cut him into a his portion to the hypocrites, and there shall be a weeping and a gashing of teeth. That's the first parable. The next parable is the parable of the foolish, of the wise and foolish virgins. And again, as Pastor Vanner explained, they also were given something to do. The audience understood that the virgins at the wedding in their time and culture had a specific role. They had a clear understanding of what the virgins did while they were waiting for the bridegroom, why they were waiting for the bridegroom. Just like we have a very clear understanding what a bridesmaid is meant to do in our culture and time. The bridesmaids are there to help the bride get ready for the day and at the procession, they are the ones that walk in front of the bride. That's what they're meant to do. So we, if I were to tell you you are a bridesmaid, you have a clear understanding of your role and purpose within the context of our culture and time, and so did the audience understood what was the role and purpose of the ten virgins. Their role and purpose in their culture was to welcome the bridegroom on his way to the venue to the wedding venue. They would walk with him singing and dancing with great joy as they usher him to the place of the ceremony and walk with him inside. Yeah? And most of these virgins, they didn't personally know the bridegroom. I mean, sometimes, most of the times, it was anyway an arranged marriage. So these virgins met the bridegroom on the way to the venue as they walked with him for quite a distance at times to this place with great singing and joying. It was a great fun fair. So again in the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins, they had something that they were meant to do. But again, we see in the narrative that the bridegroom took his time. It took much longer than what they expected. As a matter of fact, it took so long they fell asleep. And then we read, a large cry came out, behold, Look, the bridegroom is coming. And they woke up with that sound. And so we read from verse 6. At midnight was a cry heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And then the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Again, the servants were given something to do, and some was ready and did what was expected of them to do and walked with the bridegroom to the wedding. And the door was shut. And others did not do what was expected of them to do. They were not ready. They were not there. And when they got to the door, it was shut. And then they knocked on the door to get in. Because they too were invited. But the bridegroom response is so telling and chilling. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered and said to them, Assurely, I say to you, I do not know you. The other five I met on the way to the wedding. (laughs) I walked with them, I met them, I chatted to them, and with great excitement we entered into the venue. But you, I don't know. Who are you? You see the narrative. And therefore Jesus ended off saying, Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Both parables, in the wise and evil servant and the wise and foolish virgins, those who did what was expected of them to do was rewarded. But those who did not do, what was expected of them to do, were punished. They were not allowed into the wedding feast. They were left outside, or they were cut in two, and their portion was given to the hypocrites where there is a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. So you see, there's a reoccurring narrative throughout all these parables, the first two. So note this narrative, and let's now read the parable of the talents and see if we see the same narrative. And what does it tell us of being what it means to be ready and why is it necessary? Let's read together from verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants to deliver his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents and to the other two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Sounds familiar? Then... He received the five talents went out and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, likewise, the one who received two gained two more. They did what was expected of them to do. But the one who received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid the Lord's money. He did not do what was expected of him to do. And then after a long time, Just like in the others, the Lord of those servants came to settle accounts with him. And so the one who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what was expected of you. You were faithful over a little. I will make you, I will reward you, I will make you ruler over much. Come enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said to the Lord, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him the same, Well done! Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little. I will make you ruler over much. Come enter into my joy. Then he received one talent came and said, Lord, I know you were a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you do not have scattered seed. And I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here is yours. I've done nothing with it. I did not do what you expected. So here it is. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I do not scatter seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. That was the least that you could have done. But you didn't even do that. And at my coming, I would have at least received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be a weeping and a gashing of truth. Do you see the recurring narrative? Jesus is trying to explain to us why we must be ready and what it means to be ready. Now, what, let's look what is this common narrative. Firstly, we see very challengingly, they were all the Lord's servants. As a matter of fact, there's a difference between the servants and the hypocrites. And when you read the parable in Luke of the parable of Manas, the Minas, all the servants, again, same story, received 10 talents, the Lord went away, came back and asked an account of what they did. The one had 10, made 10, the one made five and then the other one did nothing. The same story, cast out and give their portion to the unbelievers. So there was a separation between the servants and the unbelievers, the servants and the hypocrites, the servants and those who are on the outside. So that's the first common narrative. The second is that they all had something to do. They all were given something to do. And thirdly, in the story, the Lord, the master, took a long time before he came back. And he returned in an hour that they did not expect. And fourthly, we see that some did what they were supposed to do and was rewarded. And others did not do what they were supposed to do and was punished. That's the common narrative. The evil servant, what does this mean for us? I want us to look at this for a moment. Go to the next slide. The evil servant different aspects of what it means to be ready and what it means not to be ready. To do the opposite of what you're supposed to do, to be doing nothing and not being ready to do what we're meant to do. So what is the obvious meaning of being ready then? In the next slide we read the following. We must therefore be busy with what what it means to be ready. Well, let me tell you what it means to be ready. You must be busy with what you are supposed to be doing. Do you agree? Secondly, it says you must be ready to do that before he returns. There's no hidden message here. This is it. This is what Jesus is trying to say. Those who do what they were meant to do will be rewarded. And those who did not do will be cast out. That is the reason why Jesus warned us to be ready. Just like Craig used that analogy in Claymont when he preached on the virgins about, remember, the port to pool and the electric pump. That the manual said... You must not swim while the pump is running because you might get electrocuted. So the reason the manufacturer put it in the manual was not to steal our fun, rob our joy, or instill terror in us. No, he said it so that we can enjoy swimming in the pool. (laughs) The reason why Jesus said we must ready is because he wants us to be at the wedding. He wants us to be rewarded. He wants us to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a little. I will make you ruler over much. That's why he's saying this. He's saying it also because many will be deceived. And many will cry out, Lord, Lord, when it's too late. So now, in the context of this reoccurring narrative, we must ask ourselves, so what are we supposed to do while we wait for his return? What is this that you have given us to do while we wait for you? What have you commanded us to do so that we can get busy with it? (laughs) Because I want to be one of those who go into the wedding. I want to be those who, who hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I, I want to be rewarded. So what is it? Well, I don't want to be long as last time. I do apologize. So I'm going to summarize for you. What did Jesus give us to do while we wait for his return? I can prescribe a book for you. It gives you all the answers. (laughs) I mean, if you read it, you will find all the answers. It's called the Bible. More specifically, the New Testament. You will find everything that Jesus commanded us to do while we wait for him. As a matter of fact, he summarized it just before he went up to heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and earth had been given to me. Therefore, I want you, while you're waiting for my return, this is what I want you guys want to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. What did he command us to do? Let me summarize it for you in three sentences. Firstly what we are meant to do while we wait for His return is to love God. It's the first thing. Love God. It's the easiest way I can summarise it: is a love God? Love God with with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Love God as you love God. You 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 are naturally going to do the things that are pleasing in His sight. You're going to because you love Him. You're going to find out what is it that you want us to do. And it starts off with loving God. That's the whole narrative of the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. It is God who loves humanity who has rebelled and sinned against Him, turned away from Him that He's calling to. Repent, to come back to him. Turn to me and I will forgive you. Turn to me and I will accept you. Come back to me. Blessed are we when he returns and we are turning to him. We are loving him. We are doing the things that are pleasing in his sight. So the first thing that we are meant to do is to love God. The second thing that he commanded us to do is to love each other. Love each other. Love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's where it starts. Love God and love each other. Love your brothers and sisters. Fellowship together. Care for one another. Help each other. Encourage one another. And thirdly, share my love with the world. It. If I have to summarize it, love God, love each other, and share His love with the world. Blessed are we when He returns and find us busy with it. Great will be our reward. You want to know what the bride looks like? That is ready. Is loving God, loving each other, and sharing His love with the world. That's it. It's not the mystery. It's not a hidden message. It's not about the food or the oil or the or the talents. It's about what did he tell us to do? And if we know these things, when shall we start? <laughs> well, what did Jesus say? When shall we start? When shall we start? I mean, I know he's delaying. He's probably not coming Tomorrow so when shall we start well, Jesus made it very clear immediately just get going eh? because you do not know when I'm coming so get busy because I want to bless you I, wanna, I want you to be part of this amazing day when I return so let's get going shall we wait a little bit longer before we start or should we do the opposite or should we do nothing no, that's not what Jesus said. He said, no, you must be ready. Get going. So let, let us allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today about our own lives and where we're at. And let's ask the Lord to make us pliable in his hands. To shape us. Let, let us re our priorities of what we value most in this life, what we're aiming for. Let it be loving God, loving each other, and sharing His message. In the midst of everything else that we do, as we go about doing what we're doing, you know, the amazing thing is you don't need to resign to do these things, <laughs> you don't need to change your career, you don't even need a career. to be found busy with what he called us to do. Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing. Assuredly I say to you, he will make him a ruler over all his goods. Next week, I will end off with Jesus' last words in this conversation with his disciples and then he no longer spoke in a parable but he spoke very plainly it's a very powerful conclusion to help us understand what it means to be ready but for today let us consider our own hearts whether we are ready whether we are busy Um, whether we are expectant and, and be encouraged by this he will reward you he will reward you for doing just that. You will go in with him into the marriage supper. You will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And you will be rewarded for eternity. Let us partake in communion. The reason we do so, if there's anybody here that have not received a cup when you entered, if you can just raise your hand, the ushers will quickly come Um, I also need one. Um, The reason why we do communion every Sunday is because after everything is said and done, the only thing that matters is Jesus, what He has done for us. And so we always want to bring back everything that was said to the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God that came to die for our sins, to purchase our redemption. Through faith in him, we can have eternal life by his grace, not by our works, but what he has done for us. And therefore, we want to come back and, and communion, I want us to wait for one another. And we're going to use this as an opportunity to reflect on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, through sending his son. We're going to reflect on the fact that we were all sinners, dead in our trespasses and going to hell. But because of his love for us and his great mercy and grace, he sent his son to pay the price for our sins so that we don't have to. So that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But he paid for our sins at a cost. It was not cheap. It was not light. It came at great expense that he paid for my life. And therefore, when we reflect on that cost... And the sacrifice and the redemption that it brought us, let us then, in the context of that, reflect on what we heard today. And what our response should be to this great act of grace and mercy towards us. Can we do that? So, I'm going to pray for the bread. If you are new, I need one. Can I have one? Dylan? Nya-nya, that's yours, brother. I'm going for round two. I can do this all day. Because it's the only thing that matters, what God did for me. This is where it all begins. If you knew on the top, there's a piece of bread. If you can all take out your bread now, let's wait for one another. Father we thank you for your love towards us Lord thank you that while we were sinners you did not give up on us and Lord you were willing to come to become sin for us to take our sin but also our penalty upon yourself to pay the price that we could not pay for ourselves Lord you were willing to pay for us so that we can be free And Lord, we thank you for this sacrifice, the price that you paid. Lord, may we never forget the cost as we eat together in Jesus' name. Just take a moment and reflect personally on what Jesus did for you and thank him for it. Just in your own words. Let's take the cup. Lord, well, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us, that washes us clean, makes us free. Take away our sin and our guilt through faith in you. Thank you, Lord, that as we drink this cup, Lord, we drink unto the promise of eternal life. I hope to be with you forever. Not because of our works, but because of yours and our faith in it. Lord, help us to respond in a way that reflects a gratitude for this sacrifice, this life. We thank you for eternal life in Jesus Christ. Let's drink together. Now I want us just for a moment, just reflect on today's message whatever stood out for you what the Holy Spirit has been pressing on your heart our response to his word today just speak to him just in your own words maybe you are here this morning while all the eyes are closed and you have not yet responded to God's sacrifice for your life giving himself to save you and what you need to do to start this journey of assurance is to surrender your life back to him and say lord yes i want to accept your sacrifice i want to surrender my life lord i repent of being a sinner lord i want to turn away from my guilt and my shame and i want to turn to you to receive forgiveness cleansing acceptance redemption lord i want to surrender my life to be sure that i belong to you and that i too may have eternal life if that is you this morning and you want to respond to the invitation that God has made 2,000 years ago and still to this very day to come to Him. I want you to respond right now by just raising your hand say, Lord, I want to accept Jesus. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me. Lord, I want to be saved. Thank you for that hand. Is there anybody else? Just, Just raise your hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you for those hands. Is there anyone else? You could just drop it again if you raised your hand. It's just between you and the Lord. Is there anyone else? Thank you for that hand at the back. You can drop it again. Anyone else? It's just between you and the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for those who are responding right now, Lord, with a desire, Lord, to yield their life to you, Lord, in in the context of your love and your sacrifice. Lord, thank you, Lord, that whosoever believes, whoever chooses to bow their knee and accept you as King, as Son of God, Redeemer, Redeemer, and savior of the world lord when we acknowledge and lay down our lives before you humble ourselves and say lord i'm a sinner i am in need of saving lord please save me you respond and heaven rejoices there is greater rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than over the 99 righteous that needs no repentance and so lord we want to celebrate with heaven today for those who are turning to you And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come into their lives, Lord. That you will seal your work of salvation. Lord, I pray that you will settle in them a belonging, an acceptance, a love. Lord, I pray that you will start this journey of transforming them from sinners to saints to become more like you. And we worship you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray for the rest of us, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we will not leave the same, but we will be motivated, zealous, and joyful to serve you with all our lives. Help us Lord to love you more, love each other, and share your love. Grant us to see the opportunities we have, to share this with one another in the world. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. If you raised your hand for salvation, somebody would love to pray with you. So somebody's going to come to you and pray with you. We're going to have a few announcements. Um, If you are here for the first time, you are so welcome. Trust you come back.